Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael, myself, or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Happy Friday, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Michelle Cachet, and I'm here today with Michael, and we warmly welcome you to the show. Thank you for spending your time with us today. It's April 8th, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you press 1, that will put you in a queue to talk with Michael. And I encourage you to call in with your comments, your questions, allowing you to personally strengthen and deepen your practice. So, hi, Michael. Um, welcome, and thank you for leading the show today. Delighted young lady, and thank you for uh, filling in for Jeannie. Uh, we're actually in town doing errands, and so it's kind of hard for her to get to a computer when we're doing that. And so she's off doing an errand while I'm sitting in the car and uh, having a conversation through the magic of technology. It's definitely a, an awesome gift to give us to uh, to be able to have these conversations every day, to record them, to make them available on a global scale is just absolutely Monumental, as is this ancient work of healing the mind. And our focal point in this, there's a, there's a line in the lesson that uh, entitled, uh, What is the World from A Course in Miracles? It says, you fear having your thought system threatened. And we are here to upset the apple cart in the world's thinking. The whole world is pretty much stuck in an insane backward thought system. For instance, something happens inside of a person. Let's say it's irritation. And the thought system that the average person has is, let me look and see who's irritating me. Let me see who I can blame. Now, that's an insane thought. You'll notice if you've been through a particular irritation 87 different times with 42 different people, that you're the only one that was there every time. Pretty crazy to start looking for somebody else who's the cause of what's going on inside of you. So we're here to uproot that whole thought system and go to an accurate thought system. And in this situation where one is, let's say, for instance, irritated, then the Appropriate thought system, if one wants to put an end to their irritation, is to stop, take a breath, and say to themselves, hmm, I have irritation in me. I think it would be useful if I got rid of my irritation. I wonder how I would do that. Now, you could take any word that describes any untoward feeling that you have, rage, guilt, grief, hate, fear, drama, trauma, whatever it is, and if you have the tools to do that, you can reliably remove that. The tool is called forgiveness. It was taught 2,000 years ago in the first century Aramaic language. <clears throat> the backward thought system of the world says, forgiveness is about how I let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me. Now, if I let you off the hook because my irritation is moving in me, Again, have I done anything to get rid of my irritation? No, I've just focused in on the energy of my irritation and recreated it on a whole different level. It's interesting how many people are out there 
dissing things like the Course in Miracles because it's about, I was just reading an article about rethinking and how terrible a thing that is, based supposedly on someone who understands the teachings of ancient scripture. And yet they can ignore the directive that comes from Paul, and this is a piece that he does have of the puzzle of the many pieces that he's missing. This is one he does have. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Your thinking process has to change. Elsewise, you will do behaviors based on errant thinking. Behaviors based on errant thinking produce errant results, and people get stuck in those patterns. So we're here to offer support and in our conversations to point out whenever there is an error in thought. You know, if I come up with an error in thought, Dr. Tim's probably going to jump in and say, Michael, well, what about this? And I'm going to take a breath and go, oh, you know, that one slipped past me. That was unconscious. And or Dr. Tim will shoot a thought out that's unconscious or someone who calls in will do that. And our whole process is one of interrupting unconscious speech, unconscious thought patterns, and replacing them with truth, and then offering support and the tools for removing, that is forgiving, the thought pattern that leads us into aberrant behavior, to pain, to trauma, to turmoil, to upset. So forgiveness, instead of being about letting somebody else off the hook, oh, forgive them, Forgiveness is about how I go inside myself, and if I have a thinking pattern that causes me pain, to remove that thinking pattern. That's the forgiveness process. So we invite you to correct your thinking. If you've been taught that forgiveness is about letting somebody else off the hook, that's an insane thought system. It's a backward thought system. It is it accurately letting somebody off the hook for what they've done is called pardoning. And <clears throat> pardoning can be a very nice thing to do. We're not suggesting that you never pardon anyone. We're just suggesting that if you call pardoning forgiveness, then you'll stop short of doing the actual forgiveness process. And when you stop short of doing the actual forgiveness process, you'll find yourself stuck in the title of my book. Why is this happening to me again? So the tools we've developed, the tools we've decoded from the ancient Aramaic are about how to get to the root of errant thinking and correct it. Now, the interesting thing that happens when you correct errant thinking is the places in your body that are diseased because the errant energy is in the cell instantly reorganize and heal. Very amazing process that and when we realize the, the power that our thoughts have, you know, we externalize our thoughts onto a thing we call the body. We pretend that we are bodies, when the truth is we are energetic beings that have much, much, much more control over our energy systems than anybody has led us to believe. If we were taught exactly how the whole system worked and lived that way, you'd never have need for a pill. Now, You'll notice that there's a pretty big industry set up for selling pills. Guess what? If you knew how your energy system worked, you would never want or take a pill. We talked, we've talked the last couple of days about a video that we posted on our uh, Facebook page. It's a TED Talk by a woman named Anita Merjani. And here's a woman, and she's on all the drugs and all the, you know, everything they can do. She's in a hospital, hospital bed, in a coma, and they're giving her everything they can imagine. And she's down to 87 pounds, and her body's filled with tumors. Now, she doesn't go out and take a bunch more pills to get well. What happens is she dies. And she explains several years later that during the process of her death, clinical death occurred, she was taught how it worked. And, you know, in order to, six weeks later, be totally freed of cancer, she didn't take a pill. She changed her mind. Change your mind, change your body. If your body's got pain, guess what? 
And this woman was racked with pain. I mean, she's got, she, she shares in this video that she's got lemon-sized tumors all over her body. She's down to 86 pounds. She's got lymphoma. They've told her she's going to die. She's got hours left. She doesn't change her medication. She gets rid of it. And six weeks later, she's free of cancer. Now, how does that happen? Well, there are a set of rules for how to make the shift into that. And, of course, anybody that's in a diseased state would say, that's great, I want that, give it to me in a pill, and I'll have it all handled by tomorrow afternoon. I will no longer have the capacity for any form of disease, drama, trauma, hate, fear, rage, guilt, grief, or pain. And I say to that person, you cannot storm the gates. Living in the state where you live as you're designed to live in harmony with the energetic patterns you're designed to live in harmony with was called the kingdom of heaven. You can't storm the gates. You can't live in an energy system that's been developing for thousands of years and in a second turn it all around. It's a process. It takes time. One way to do it is, as Anita did, had a near-life experience, goes through clinical death and experiences herself as the human being that she is and comes back talking about love, as most people who have that near-life experience does. And she comes back and lives as that, and everything in her body shifts and changes. I don't necessarily suggest you run out and create yourself a near-death experience or what the world calls a near-death experience, which is really a near-life experience. But what we've been doing for the last half century is developing the tools for understanding how to do that process while you're alive, how to go through what you need to go through, how to develop the skills and enter into that state that was called the kingdom of heaven in the Greek translations of the ancient teachings, but in fact in Aramaic was called the community of love. So that's what we're here to develop and to be part of a community of love. And if something less than love comes up in me or Dr. Tim or Michelle or Jeannie or anybody else on the show, we're going to ask the support of everybody to hold a different space for those energies to shift and for us each to function as that active presence of love. So we're honored that you're here to share this space with us. If what happens here today is it makes sense to you, impacts you, touches you, then we'd invite you to uh, go to the archives after the show is over and perhaps uh, pass the, uh, the archive along to someone else. It's a free MP3. You can just attach it to an email and send it off. Or you can also just uh, get a, um, uh, a link to the mp3 and by doing that you can just send it along so that's what we're here to support and we invite your support in doing that and michelle do we have anything happening in the chat room or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue yeah actually captain waiting here patiently and so i turned on his mic and let's say hi captain yes sir how are you awesome hey cap good yeah. to hear your voice young man Oh, it's good to be able to hear my own voice. Yay. Um, well, How yeah. are you doing after that bump in the head? Um, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I said I'm going to have symptoms for probably six months to a year because it was a pretty hard hit. Ouch. And, um, that's what I'm actually here for today right now to get some more, have to look at it some more. And um, mm. I'm gonna, I, have the, I have the halo with, you know, looking through the tunnel and the halo and, and the... Um, nausea and um the anything I think about makes me cry and they say that's all part of it. So just live with it they say. Yeah. Well my my input would be if you saw that uh that light that maybe you had yourself a moment or two or however long it was of that near life experience and that's the biggest transformer there is. So if that's what occurred, we're glad you're back, that your physiology survived and you overcame that clinical experience and uh I bet everything looks different on this side. Uh it really does. It really does. I'm um I'm having a lot of conflicting goals right now and uh and and things there's a lot of there's a lot of energy stirring in my life right now that um that, you know, I mean, the stuff started before the accident, but the accident itself was a huge 
pile of energy that just it was a mess. I mean, they were colliding. There was so much. And then um, right. the day after that, the, day, the next day or the day after that, my boat got hit by lightning. And um, so I got all my appliances in the boat. And um, Ouch! And then, yeah, and then yesterday I was at lunch with a friend of mine, and um, we were talking about some pretty heavy stuff, like we're talking, you know, the stuff that we do in the workshops and all that. And um, she just called me on the way up here, and she said, um, and she didn't know about the lightning strike and the, she knew about the wreck, but that was it. And she said, you know, my, my, right. my when she said when I got in the car and I left, she said I looked down and my clock, my watch was not working. I said, really, that's weird. She said, then I looked down again three hours later and it was working. So there's a lot of energy moving through through my life right now, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm really trying to just be very conservative about any decisions I make or anything I anything I really say or do. And uh, I, I miss my other friends drastically. I mean, I miss I miss. Breathe. I am. I am. Take a breath on that. But all so I can would do, you like to do some work around that? I am with Julie. Me and Miss Haverstick are doing some work around yeah. it. Awesome. And, um, would you like to? Yeah. But, would you like some support uh, and coaching on it? Uh, now at this moment with what's moving, it sounds sure, like the energy's moving in you pretty deeply. I would. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's go back to square one with the whole idea of denial. And remember that our definition of denial is when I think or speak as though something outside of me or something that's happening on the outside is a cause of what's happening on the inside, then I'm in denial. And once I go into that state of denial, then whatever the energy is that's got me by the face, it's going to tend to keep running. And it's, I'm not going to be able to change it because I've, I've already, by denying it, hidden it from myself. And so this is a, what you just said, I'd offer, is a really subtle form of denial. You know, I miss my friend. In other words, the fact that my friend is gone is what has me in this pain. But before we dissect that anymore, let me just ask a question. The turmoil, the pain, whatever word you would use to describe the upset that's going on for you right now that seems to be about the loss of your friend. If you went back to a year before you met your friend, did you know this feeling of turmoil or loss a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40? Yes, I have felt Did you know this feeling? Okay. So, okay. So then what I'll offer is that, and, and once again, just for, you, for your sake and for the whole audience's sake, to really get how subtle denial can be, because here the mind tells you, yes, I've had this before, and it's got to do with other people. My offering to you would be that you've probably been through it 87 different times with 42 different people, and I'm going to invite you to notice that you're the only one that was there every time you've had these feelings of loss, and that feelings of loss are something that come from the inside. They don't come from the outside. And they don't come because somebody's there or not there. They, they come because we have stored pain in us. And when I can access the stored pain in me that I call loss, then I can be free of pain and have everybody disappear from my life and all stand as a connected space of love, experiencing myself as I am as love with no feelings of loss. But as long as I have stored genetic and learned energy about loss, like for instance, with my kids when they were small, you'll hear a lot of parents who come home from a trip and say, oh, did you miss me? Or when a parent's going to go on a trip and says, oh, are you going to miss me? They're teaching their children to generate pain over an event that carries no pain. I never taught that to my children. I have never missed my children. I don't believe my children have ever missed me. 
So we might go for six months or a year without seeing each other, and none of us, I never taught that to my children, none of us experiences loss or pain about that. And when we see each other, we're right back to that connected space of love. So my offering is that loss is something we've learned, and it's something that can be forgiven. And now that doesn't mean that I prefer for this person to be gone from my life. It just means that I don't have to trade the state of active love in me that I am for pain that seems to be about someone being gone from my life. So when I forgive that loss, then I'll simply stand in that connected space and I'll be able to say, gee, you know, I wish they were really here. I I just really wish they were here. And I'm okay because I know who I am as the presence of love. And that's a big piece of work if it's the first time that kind of an idea has been introduced to you or to, to someone that I don't have to experience pain over someone's presence or absence. Because there will be other people who will come along and say, well, I'm really in pain because you're here. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not. You're in pain because there's pain in you. And when I let go of the pain, when I forgive, then I can remove my pain. Of course, to do that, I have to take it out of that hidden, dissociated state and get back to where I'm in touch with the root of it, which, of course, is what the wake-up sheet, the reality management sheet, is about. Does that make sense? It does, 100%. Thank you. Cool. So I support you in being in that space, in that state, of connected love when you think about this person and just be that space. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. And of course, what is that going to take? It's going to take forgiveness. It's going to take removing, you know, it's interesting. We live in a culture that when we have certain feelings, people just say, well, well, just don't have those feelings. Excuse me. If that energy's there and it moves, you're going to feel it. You're going to experience it. We can go into another denial state and hide it from ourselves, drug ourselves, and pretend it's not there and not feel it. But that doesn't mean it's gone. What I'm suggesting is that I really, truly have to go in and do the work of removal in order to be free of it. And so I'd offer that sounds like the uh, the next piece of work that the universe is offering you support in doing. Yes. I agree. Cool. Well, any, any more support we can be in that process with you? No, sir, that was just, sometimes all I need is you to tell me what's going on, and it sends me right down the right road. Well, that's what we're here to do, to go down the right road with you and hold the space. Yeah, thank you so much. And and isn't it interesting, you know, uh, when when you say that, and the last time you called, you you gave me a similar acknowledgement, and thank you, I appreciate that. And, of course, it's your mind that made the shift and the change, not mine. But uh, it's interesting that we live in a culture that has had this knowledge for at least 2,000 years, and it was never passed on to us. And that's why we're working as diligently as we can to restore that knowledge to individuals, to communities, to families, to governments, to nations. Literally, I mean, you look at, and I know that one of your interests is to uh, to, to go to the Middle East and do some uh, forgiveness work and some healing work there. And, you know, imagine yourself becoming empowered enough and clear enough to give that same direction to two people who are standing with daggers at each other's throats over a Mideast conflict. Imagine yourself able to just offer that guidance and have these two people who are actually brothers from a long time ago have actually recognize their family connection and their brotherhood and embrace in love rather than feeling like they need to kill each other and all of their descendants. I mean, imagine power being able to do that for people. It's awesome. You know, what I'm doing here already is I'm, I'm reaching out to anybody that has, has problems. I reach out and, and show them the program, that, you know, the Mind Shifter program, and, and the why it's just happening to me again. And, and uh, I'm amazed that the, the people are actually taking it in. Yeah, yeah it's I'm, pretty I'm, cool. I'm, it's pretty I'm, sweet. There's probably, about, there's probably two or three on the radio show. Fabulous. I, I don't know if they're calling Fabulous. in like they say they are or not, but yeah. <laughs> And that helps me. It actually helps me by helping them, by, by taking it to people. It helps me because, like you said, we, we, we teach what we need to learn. There you go. Actually, actually, that was um, 
uh, let's see, what's his name? Uh, Richard Bach, who uh, who came up with that one. That was uh, okay. that was straight from uh, from him. But it's a it's a great thing to understand. I was I was talking to someone else this morning, actually another teacher, a teacher of laws of living, and they had a challenge come up, and lo and behold, somebody showed up with a similar challenge, and they started to counsel them or to support them in in making that shift, and all of a sudden it was like, oh. Oh, that, oh, that's a shift I need to make. Okay, I got it. It's like, you know, it's just an awesome universe. So we join you in love and blessing, and thanks for being a blessing to the world. Thank you. Yeah, once you see, I mean, I mean, sitting in the body and looking at, at the issues, even though we have all of the tools, sometimes it just takes somebody to, to show you the direction down the path and show you that this is really what's going on. Because sometimes it gets muddled up in muddy water when we're trying to look at it ourselves. So sometimes yes. it's just nice having somebody yes. give you that little gentle nudge to say, well, this is what's really going on. And, oh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. It, it is an weekend. awesome gift to be able. Hey, I plan to do it. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you. Look forward right, to the next time you. we get face-to-face. Lots of love. Yes. Bye-bye. Very good. Love to. Okay. Michelle, do we have a 901 caller on the phone by any chance? Uh, Susan's here, yes. Oh, well, let's say hello to the young lady. I was expecting her to call early, and um, so let's say hello and see what she has to share. We had a little conversation earlier today, and uh, so welcome, young lady. Good to hear your voice. Hi, Hi Michael. Hi, Michelle. Hey, welcome. I, don't, I just got on a little bit late. I apologize. Um, I don't know if Dr. Tim's on or not, or I'll, I'll say hello, and Jeannie, I'll say hello, and everybody out there, I'll say Oh, happy Friday. What a beautiful day. Good to be here. Gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous here in Florida. It's 83 degrees, sunny, few white puffy clouds inside. It's beautiful. And it's good to hear your voice and have you here. And your timing is impeccable. Thank you. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. So um, I have a question, but I want to go ahead and offer you the opportunity to lead the conversation. I want to acknowledge, uh, and acknowledgement is a tool in the laws of living when we do the support group. It's number 12. And um, I was just talking to Linda about that. A lot of times when we do the group, I don't think we've acknowledged that acknowledgement is a tool. It's, it's number 12 on the tool list. So, um, Absolutely. I like, yeah, I, want to, I heard you speak of acknowledgement, and I want to acknowledge Linda for her willingness to post, uh, you know, to ask you the question. And it's a question that I've had a lot when we were doing certification for laws of living, the importance of having an accountability partner and also, um, you know, there's quite the requirements to get certification as far as what you do each day. And um, to practice, you know, my ego, there's a, like a, I was seeing it as a road. It's a path to get the certification. So you're, you're driving down this path. And you miss a day of doing the mind goal management sheet, and there's a it's almost like a little branch in the road that you could go off that way and create a story. Well, I missed today, and that's so discouraging, and now I'm in trouble, and what if I have to start over? And you know, the story starts, and then to immediately bring the light to that situation and say to the person that you're doing the certification, such as yourself, Dr. Rice, and just saying, okay, I missed this and this and this. Do you want me to add a day to the end of my certification? Do you want me to start over? How do I proceed from here immediately? The sooner I bring the light to it, the sooner I can get back on the correct path instead of going down that story, down that road, and getting off track and giving up, which has been one of my punishments for myself is just to give up. Mm. So I wanted to speak to that. Wait, Wayne. Do you have anything you want to add? You're well, that was um, that was fun, and that, Linda, if you're on the show, I appreciated the opportunity to play with you when you asked that question. And uh, it, can we can we mute somebody there? There's a lot of noise in the background. And uh, it was it was fun to be able to say, oh no, you need to start over um, to just create a little shock in the system. And of course. That um, that whole issue, I think, is an issue of 
oh, I have to do it right, I have to do it perfect, or somebody's going to be upset with me, or somebody's going to punish me, or if there's nobody around to punish me, I'll punish myself. And, you know, that's just the worksheet work, the wake-up sheet work that I'd suggest doing around that issue. And, you know, we're here to be reasonable and gentle with ourselves and take care of ourselves, and we support you taking care of you. So thanks for asking the question and giving me the answer to to tongue-in-cheek play with you. Um, Right. All right, now my question is about an accountability partner because this has come up several times in my Laws of Living class and in this um, this time certifications uh, taking place, is the accountability partner is to help you to be accountable really and truly, and this is what I was saying to Linda, to yourself because um, I used to hear it from Absolutely. David and – you know, is is the first my life works according to how I keep my agreements with myself. First and foremost. That's who the that's what it's all about, is keeping my agreement to me and the accountability partner is just the one that stands as a presence of love and encourages and supports me in keeping my word to myself. Would you want to expand a little bit on that one? I think that's it exactly. That's exactly what um what Cap was just talking about is, you know, there's nothing like a little help from our friends. And sometimes if I'm not motivated, you know, gee, there's something up in my face. I'd rather not do this. I'd rather not look at this. But if I've made a commitment to someone else that at the end of the day, I'm going to text you and tell you that I've completed my commitments, then I've got an extra level of motivation. And I know that energetically I've got your support. And, you know, that can, that can be the difference between moving forward and falling down flat. Right. And some support. Uh, I was just thinking, I was in a 12-step, and I hope I can keep my train of thought. I was in a 12-step group that was very rigorous. It was called the How Program. And we had to call our sponsor every day at a certain time. We had 15 minutes to talk to our sponsor. If we missed that time, we missed that time. And if we um, had a slip in our agreements with ourselves for what our bottom lines was, like for an alcoholic, it would be not to drink alcohol. Um, but just as an example, if we slipped three times, then the sponsor would say, you know, um, I want to support you in finding someone that, that is a perfect fit for you with your accountability. Um, so I want to support you in finding a new sponsor and allow you to find the personality that you fit with that you'll be willing to keep your agreements with. And taking that to another level with this work, maybe the support needed would not necessarily mean finding another uh, person to be accountable to, but would you be willing to do some, uh, you know, let me support you in doing some worksheets around your resistance to or the um, something to support shifting your purpose statement so that you can um, totally, and we were talking about this too, having a purpose statement that is something to do with certification with the laws of living within the 66 days or whatever and and saying having your plan be the list of things you want to do during the week that will support that purpose statement and then getting the goals on the goal management sheet from the planning sheet to go toward creating and and all that supports the certification process so that you can see that everything builds and builds momentum to getting what you need to get done, and it's also doing what needs to be done while you're motivating and uh, clearing any resistance to doing it. Does that make sense? I couldn't say it better myself. I'd say that's totally right on track. Cool. That's where it goes. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, And this uh, is very – it resonates delight and thrills me to see the dedication and the commitment of this uh, Laws of Living group that we had in Florida, to see their willingness to follow through and create a Facebook page. And, you know, I can name every one of them. I'm sure you know who they are. Everyone that's contributing yes. to keep keep the momentum going and to have that weekly meeting. So I just want to um, offer acknowledgement to each and every one of them for that. That's incredible, just incredible. Yes, it is. And, you know, when you look at and recognize with this work, the idea is to develop the ability to function as conscious act of present love. If someone falls down on their commitment, uh, the model that we want to offer people 
is loving support and a loving response. When I hear you talk about this other program that you were in, I'd offer it was an extension of an old model of punishment. Well, if you're not going to do what you're supposed to do, then I'll punish you by leaving. It gets back to the leaving issue. I'm going to stop supporting you. Uh, It's a nice way to say it. Well, I'm going to support you so you can find somebody that you'll do it with. But the truth is, it's it's at least for me, my perceptual take on that is that it's based in the model of punishment rather than support. And what we want to do is keep moving in the, the direction of in the model of support. So Absolutely. Fabulous. I agree. And yeah, and I want to take that one step further. It's, it's interesting to just to confirm that is that when we were in the relationship, uh, the love addiction is what they call that, was that when a person triggers right. you, um, you were to uh, put on your bottom line no contact. That means no text, no phone call, no seeing. If they go to a certain grocery store, you turn around if their car's in the parking lot and you go somewhere else. That's total avoidance and punishment of the of the person that you're avoiding. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, the person that you're... And I mean, that's, in, that's the insanity. Now, that was the 12-step yeah. program, and that was it. Yeah. And, you know, when I walked away from that program and, and began doing this work, uh, I was considered that I had slipped. You know, not that I had seen anybody, but I had stopped practicing uh, no contact with someone who triggered me. Matter of fact, the, it was the opposite. Go toward who's triggering you and breathe and hold the space of love and do your work. Yes. Because it's in you. It's not the person. They were looking at outside, something outside of me is causing me to do something or have a feeling or whatever, act out. You know, and it's really the pain inside of me that's being triggered that's giving me the opportunity yeah it's a fork in the road do i go toward the pain do i go away from the pain and they were they were encouraged to go away from the pain so that was just i just got that just now as you were talking so that's big susan yeah well you'll remember in the intensive you know one of the first requests we make is uh is the invitation if there's somebody here that you looked at them when you came in the room and you're like oh i don't want anything to do with them that's the first person to go connect with because that person who can resonate you is probably the person who has the salve to heal the wound that you need to heal. And I'd offer that, you know, whatever that 12-step program was, that that, you know, it's an, the 12-step, in my experience, is an awesome program. It saved a lot of lives. And it's like any other program or teaching the people who are practicing it sometimes aren't perfect, and so they interpret things in a way. And I'd hesitate, you know, people will put uh, um, certain behaviors on a certain uh, grouping or uh, certain teaching when the behavior isn't about the grouping or the teaching. It's about the individuals involved. And the idea is to keep coming forward, to keep coming forward, to keep coming forward as the space of conscious, active, present love, because that's what heals it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. I just want to, I want to mention Yolanda right now, because when you said active, present love, she's uh she texted me this morning and said, please send me love because her hostility is up around the situation. She, oh, I'm supposed to say Rose, excuse me. Oh, gosh. Anyway, um, she's got some hostility coming up, so we're holding a space of love and sending her love today. So everybody on the show sends uh, Rose love today. She definitely um, has got lots of opportunities. And, and, and with that being said, I want to share a little bit about what I did about the basketball game. May I do that, Michael? Please, and, and I just offer the thought once again to notice the subtle ways that the mind can keep us in denial. She's got hostility up around such and such, when the truth is she's just got hostility up. It's got nothing to do with such and such, except such and such is the trigger. And when I can just flat out own, instead of saying, you know, my, my anger's really up about, my anger isn't up about Charlie or Bill or Mary or Harry. My anger's up because my anger's in there and it's up. And I can do one of two things. I can talk about Charlie, Harry, Bill, or Mary, and or I can talk about me and and move to healing. So that would be my input is to, to always watch the subtle. I mean, there are a million really subtle ways that the world has taught us to stay in denial. And that's one of them. Absolutely. I, I thank you for that. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I've got quite a few years in the land of uh, 
I want to say in la-la land, where we blame everything outside of ourselves, and that's one reason that I show up at this radio show and I keep your DVDs, the Mind Shifter Group, the Laws of Living, the reason I teach it is because the conditioning and the belief uh, that something outside me is so strong at this moment, and I need to do a worksheet on the belief it's so strong, is that it, it takes constant vigilance. It's like the Course in Miracles says, be vigilant with your thoughts. And it really, it takes my willingness to show up and stay connected to this group of people who talk this language and speak the truth for me to uh, to be in the active presence of love where I am at this moment. So um, anyway, I want to share what happened with me. Carolina played the championship game, and anybody who knows me very well at all, you know I love basketball and I love uh, Carolina, half for years, grew up with it. So um, the other night in that championship game, I noticed I was here by myself. Uh, it was late at night. So there wasn't uh, many people that I thought I could call. And I'm, I'm having anxiety. I'm on, almost to the point of inside, I feel like if my blood was, uh, it was almost like shaken, shaken from maybe the fear and the anxiety of, the thought we were going to lose, whatever it was. It was shaking. I was shaking. It was resonating in me. It was beautiful. And I had it taped. I was doing the DVR thing. So what I got quick thought. was I thought, go for it. Quick thought. Do you suppose that the shaking and the anxiety was about Carolina losing, or do you suppose it was around your file and your issue on losing? Thank you, Michael. Yes, it was my it was all in me. It was all in me before I ever even knew basketball existed. And I, I appreciate your input, absolutely. And one way at that moment when I said, I, I, I had this thought, I thought, this is a perfect opportunity. It's almost like going to the movies to be triggered and taking worksheets. So what I did was I paused it, and I would breathe, conscious, connected breathing, until I felt like I was back at this calm, peaceful place, and then I would proceed with the playing of the next segment of this game. And by the end, and I say that with this in mind, at the end of the game, I remember um, my family agonizing for days over the thought that we lost the game. Head down, looking at the ground, especially my ex-husband, he's deceased, but he, he would just be, I mean, it would just, nothing, you know, it's just like we talked about it forever. And at the end of this game, doing that connected breathing, pausing that show and letting it play out, by the end of the game, I could genuinely congratulate Villanova and write on Facebook, congratulations, you played a great game. Uh, Carolina, great season. I love that. I love me some basketball, I think is the way I posted it. And I'm telling you, it was the work that we do right here in this work with forgiveness that allowed me the opportunity to see it differently and to do it in a different way. Now, I, I told Dr. Rice today when I was talking to him, I was like, now, if I could just take my life like an Ally McBeal movie and pause and freeze frame it till I could breathe, <laughs> that would be ideal. <laughs> yes. that, would be, that would be just ideal if I could just say, okay, breathe. Let me breathe for about five or ten minutes, and then we can go back and do another a clip. But And that's the way life is. Life is just like that. It is a movie that is playing. And real-life people are agreeing to play the movie with me and coming in and out of the set. And um, I'm realizing that the more I sit and, and meditate and look at myself as the observer, the more I'm able to observe myself during the day uh, when, when I'm in the, on the movie stage, when I'm doing the theater work. Uh, and I'm realizing, you know, this is a movie. I don't know how much choice I have in what happens. I just really know how much choice I have on how I'm going to react or handle. Am I going to breathe and hold a space of love, or am I going to get up there and um, and do a demonstration of non-being behavior? <laughs> so anyway, it's uh, it's, it's good. So yeah, it's very powerful. That was a great. I mean, for me. It's trivial. The basketball game is a trivial way, but it was a beautiful way for me to witness the demonstration of what the breath can really do because I say it all the time. I, in Mind Shifters, I said the breath is to trauma what heat is to water, 
if you put, and that's what I actually sent uh, Rose today on the text message. I said, most importantly, breathe and allow the trauma to evaporate like the water does in the pot when you boil it. Breathe, connected breath. And uh, just step into the restroom, wherever you need to go to get to a situation where you can breathe. Because it's just like honoring the parents. We honor the parents in the laws of living it teaches, honor the parents. And honor in the old tradition was to hold them as holier or better than or be respectful because they're your parents. And what we learn in the laws of living that honoring the parents is actually holding the presence of love in their presence while something is resonating in you less than love, which heals that relationship and heals you and heals the family dynamics and heals and cleans up the carbon-based memory. Now, that's the beautiful. So we're doing that with anyone who triggers those power power person dynamics. Yes, and there's the biggie. There's the biggie that, you know, 99 point, somewhere between 99.999 and 2,000% of the issues that we face in our lives relate right back to the power person and the power person behaviors. And so, yes, you know, just to keep conscious and remember that, you know, if I can come out of that game that I was so invested in and, and so much wanted my team to win in a conversation about excitement and delight at, wow, I saw my favorite player make those shots and uh, it was an awesome game. and, And I saw some amazing plays from the other side it was just a fabulous experience, and my team lost. That's one conversation. Or it can be, oh, they lost, the bums, you know, what's wrong with them? Look at the mistakes they made. Like, which world do I want to live in? And that's all a reflection of what I do to myself. And when I realize that and I choose to forgive, I get to get free of what my power person taught me to do to myself. It becomes a whole different game. Right. And and I'm thinking that honoring the parents extends not only from my physical father's presence, but the presence of any man that triggers the power person dynamic of that physical father that I had. Uh, I can honor my parent by honoring and honoring being holding a space of love for that which is coming up that's triggering the And most of it like this, the power person dynamics. I'm learning that too. And just one other thought about the basketball game as you were talking this is the interesting thing, and I think this is almost the outpicturing of Ruka, guy that made the final shot in the game that won the game for Villanova was the half or was the adopted brother or foster brother of one of the teammates on the Carolina team. So you've got a, a mother and father in the audience that have, they have two boys, one's on each team, and they are both uh, the, the – the one that was a foster child, I think it was, was the one that won the the final shot. He won the game for Villanova. It's almost, it was really interesting how they played that up before the game and how it made us one family. You know, we're one family. There is no other, you know. It's really, that, that was really good. Woo. Yay, powerful. Powerful. Yeah, it was it was really it was wonderful, and you know for the you know how could you how could you you know it's great that both we all won. Let's just say that. Yeah, no, if, if uh, I play the game team. in love, I've won. Whether the score reflects what we call winning or not, you know we've got such a powerful competition model. In fact, it's so driven into us. They told us that uh, that this guy who discovered evolution or coined the term evolution actually told us it was about survival of the fittest, and he didn't. If you look, he mentions love far, far more often in his book on origin of the species uh, than he does about competition and recognizing that it's about the the winners are the ones who are most cooperative not the fittest the ones who are most cooperative win and when we start doing that what ends up happening is you end up with again in the aramaic it was the community of love the greeks translates the kingdom of heaven and it's where we're designed to live it's here it's now it's within us and we pollute it with all kinds of training from past generations and it's just time to undo and forgive the training that's what we're here to do 
Right. And, and and what I was thinking, too, is that there wasn't an other team when you had uh, two brothers. There was just It was just a game. that It took a little bit of the competitive spirit out of it because there was nobody. Either way, either way it won, you won. You know what I'm saying? It was like there was it took yep. it almost took yep. that out of it, that out of the play. Exactly. And I did hear Michelle, yes. Michelle call my name. I wondered if she had a question or something she wanted to say. Um, Go for it, Michelle. Susan, uh, yeah, I wanted to comment when you were sharing um, a while ago about how you continue to do worksheets when you were being triggered by uh, an unhealthy relationship that you were currently in. And I remember you doing worksheets on that, ma'am. And it was my first, some of my first kind of uh, exposure to the work and feeling so frustrated with you, at you, because... Denial, denial. Okay, Michael, let me just tell how it went for me that... I could not understand why this woman was willing to stay in this abusive relationship and not set a healthy boundary and say no to him kind of thing. You know, if she has some content of uh, abuse and neglect or abandonment in her from her primer, you know, her power people, you know, my philosophy used to be first 20 years, shame on them. Next 20 years is shame on me because if I'm going to put my – self at a space where I'm tolerating abuse, then, you know, I've only got myself to blame. And so to protect myself, you keep the abusers at arm's length or farther. So it just amuses me to hear that story because I can remember thinking, like, yeah, like, she seems smart, but, man, is she dumb. Like, you know, like, why would she do that? And, and actually, Susan, I remember actually verbal. I remember, Michelle. Believe me, I remember. I remember she was my she was in my room. We had twin beds beside each other with just a petition in between. So believe me, I had Marianne on one side, and Michelle on the other. And I will tell you, I remember you saying that, and I remember thinking, I I've always left. I'm a I'm an excellent leaver. I do leaving probably I have in the past, as Julie would have her sick would tell me, in the past I've been a leaver. Cancel the thought I'm a leaver today, and to stay was really exercising a muscle for me. So just to continue to do those worksheets and get to the point where I could see him as love, see what he was doing, like I would see one of my children doing something that would be maybe not in my past, you know, thoughts for them, but to know that I cherish them and that's what they're doing right now and when they know they might do better and they might not, but my cherishing them has nothing to do with what their behavior is doing. And if it's triggered something in me, then hallelujah, I get to breathe or, or do at that time my worksheets, which was one of the favorite tools I had. Um, so, yeah, Michelle, I remember that. That was that was good. And I wanted to say this. When Michael says the thing about when you get to an intensive, everyone you haven't dealt with is, come, is here. I've invited them. I want you to know now I'm very literal. So the first year I go to the intensive, I don't even know Michael well enough to hardly know his name. And I'm at this intensive, and he says that, and I'm expecting my brother to walk out from behind somewhere like it's a big trick. And lo and behold, as soon as before that, well, right at the first break, this guy who's 6'4", the same height as my brother, comes across the room. He's huge. And he said, "Um, will you be my partner? And I'm like, I'm like a deer in the headlights. I'm going yes and thinking no. And that was, I'm going yes because, you know, that's the southern thing we do. We act polite. But I'm thinking, no, I'm not being your partner. I'm out of here. Now, where's the door? <laughs> and and that, that person really offered me a huge uh, gift around the one relationship, you know, that I needed the most. I say that was the best help I have gotten. So I do believe every time he says that, I think that it's so funny. So, yeah. So, Michelle, did you have something in it, anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, I, I just, you know, unexpectedly just really had a lot of appreciation for, you know, what you're saying because I remember my orientation and beliefs so strongly about that moment and to see 
how dramatically different and um, unlike that person I am today. And that's only two and a half years. And, you know, I've been doing all kinds of psychology or self-help or healing or spiritual work for years. And that that is just um, so meaningful for me. Like, wow, like you really have changed. It's definitely a gift, yourself. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's such a part of And, uh, Susan, I'll, I'll invite you to notice, too, that that person who was there that matched your brother's size and brought all that up for you has become a uh, a very dear blessing in your life, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I was, yeah. well, I want you to know that first intensive, there were like four guys there, Michael Coughlin, Dr. Tim, I know that, that gentleman, and Patrick, all four were 6'4", and you're not short. You're definitely tall. So I'm there, with, and I always, always, and my boyfriends, I always picked them where they were my height, maybe just an inch or two taller. I didn't want anybody up to six foot. You know, that was way too tall. Because it would trigger me, you know, with that. Even though I didn't consciously know that, I always thought, why do I fall in love with the little guys, you know? <laughs> so it, it, it's really profound, that first intensive. And the intensive is set up. It's amazing who shows up. It's definitely Ruka orchestrated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we haven't heard from Dr. Tim yet. Let's, uh, we just got a couple minutes, but let's just say at least a hello and how do you be? Anything to share? Well, I'm doing quite well, thank you, and uh, enjoying the show. Awesome. Um, the, the, the thought I had was that, and this has come up so many times uh, in different ways, one of the things I've worked with people on for a lot of years is to try and get them to shift to a perspective that says, or turn their filter on so they can rotate it around to where it says, Every person on the planet is doing the best they can in each moment with the tools and resources they have available to them. And I get a lot of pushback sometimes in therapy when I say that. And yet, every time I stop and examine it, and when I'm working with people and they're asking me for help, time and again we uncover a very solid set of emotionally based reasons why they're doing the things that are sabotaging them, etc. Well, I had that come up in a uh, in a session recently, and somebody said, "I just listened to a Brene Brown lecture on this, and she said that too." So she sent me the lecture which is available on YouTube. It's not really a lecture. It's a talk, five, six minutes, something like that. And there's a a wonderful little piece in there that I didn't have before, but that her husband shared with her. And he said it like this. I don't know if it's true or not that everybody's doing the best they can in each moment. I do, however, experience that if I pretend everybody's doing the best they can in each moment. It changes my perspective so much that it's a huge blessing in my life. So I would offer that for today, Brene Brown. It's Brene with a B in front of it, B-R-E-N-E, Brown. And her talk is titled Boundaries, Empathy, and Compassion. And you can find that on YouTube. It's five minutes and 53 seconds long. Hey, Dr. Kim. It sounds like... Sorry, I've listened to that very segment out of her book, Rising Strong, yesterday for about an hour, and I got that exact clip of what her husband said and what she said. Now, is that profound or what? I'm in the flow. Thank you. You are sounds in the on flow. target, and, it's, and it sounds like he's found a way to, in a, on a practical way from the Aramaic, he's found a way to keep Rachma active in his mind. And that's one of the most powerful things you can do on the planet. Cool. I like uh, I like your other friend's um, way of doing it too, Sylvia, uh, who says when she's in pain, touches her heart and says, you know, dear, you're in pain right now. Let's just breathe and take care of ourselves. We don't have to make any big decisions right now. It's another way of 
keeping love present, keeping it active. And, and that's just one of the most powerful gifts we can give ourselves and give the world. And we are down to the last second, so I'm going to have to say uh, it's sayonara time. Uh, we appreciate you being here. We'd love it if you'd bring a stranger to the show tomorrow. If this show's been meaningful, pass it on, and have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye. At Thank you for listening to MindShifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, Jeannie, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. A-G-A-I-N dot org.